Welcome to another episode of KUSI's Mark My Words, hosted by our very own Mark Mathis. It is time now for the podcast Taking America by Storm and uh, from sea to signing sea and everywhere in between, especially here in San Diego County. Uh, KUSI's Mark My Words and joining us today is uh, the latest person to throw their hat into the ring. Uh, and uh, first of all, um, it is Amy Reichardt. Did I say that correctly? You got it. All right. Fantastic. Now, let's just start really quickly. Um, you are part of the whole redistricting, redistricting uh, plan. And just talk briefly, if you can, and then we'll get into your history and all that type of things. Yeah, so a couple weeks ago, a million San Diegans woke up and they were in a new district, and that includes me. I used to be in Joel Anderson's supervisor district, and now because of redistricting, I'm in Nathan Fletcher's district. Okay, so I went on to SanDiegoCounty.gov and I looked at all the redistricting areas, and I don't know, whoever created those maps, they're the hardest thing to try to understand. Uh, what is your area that has been redistricted? Well, I actually live in North La Mesa. And like I said, I used to be part of Joel Anderson's district, which was considered the East County. So now District 4, which is currently Nathan Fletcher's district, comprises places like City Heights and La Mesa and Lemon Grove, Spring Valley, and Rancho San Diego. Okay, so uh, now let's go back to the beginning. Now that we know that uh, you're going to be running against Nathan Fletcher, and and we'll we'll talk more about that coming up here in just a bit. But I just wanted to have a conversation with you, kind of a little bit about your history and about what you have done, and kind of the reason you kind of threw your hat into the ring uh, to run uh, uh, in for the supervisor. And so let's just talk a little bit about kind of where you started. And did I hear you say the other day that you were a part of a church at one point or a minister or? Yes, I actually worked in ministry at Eastlake Church for 10 years. And it was a great part of my life because I got to be involved with so many people. And uh, church is just a place where a bunch of people come together. And sometimes people are going through a really difficult time in their lives people going through divorce, people struggling with addiction, people losing their homes, and being able to be that connector to help them get resources is, I think, part of the reason which is going to make me a much better supervisor than Nathan Fletcher, because I listen to people, and I want to help people. Right. Um now, from that particular uh, position, you uh, opened uh, or, or opened San Diego. Is that is that correct? In, in, in reopen San Diego. Sorry, reopen San well, Diego. That's, that's what my ten-year-old loves to say to all of his classmates. He loves to tell all of his friends, "My mom reopened San Diego." <laughs> so, I didn't personally reopen San Diego myself, and a couple other co-founders. We literally met on the lawn at Liberty Station. We were first a Facebook group of just concerned parents whose kids had been trapped in front of screens. There were people who were struggling with small businesses, open, shut, open, shut. And so it was through that experience 
that we formed Reopen San Diego, and then the rest is history. Right. And so uh, you got into this redistrict area, and uh, now you're uh, going to be running against uh, Nathan Fletcher. And I, there is no love loss between myself and Nathan Fletcher. Uh, and I uh, have been in a couple of disputes with him over the years. My my biggest my biggest complaint is that it seems like, and this is just my opinion, that the Jim Desmonds of the world or the Bill Wells of the world, they will, they actually seem to me to be actually in their positions for their constituents, meaning that they are in those positions and they want to do what's best for their constituents. I do not get that opinion uh, or have that opinion about Nathan Fletcher. I just don't. And I don't think many people do. I think he's in it for, as a business, I think he's in it for a political gain for his own personal capital. And I don't think he's in it really for uh, the people of which he serves. And so I guess you've got a tough road ahead of you. It's not going to be easy because you're going to be going against him in areas that uh, vote predominantly Democrat in any election. So how are you going to differentiate yourself from uh, Nathan Fletcher in order to beat him? Well, I think you bring up a lot of great points. And that's the thing. So many people have been coming to me with just horror stories. And I'm not exaggerating. Horror stories of how they've been mistreated by Nathan Fletcher over like the past decade of him being in different offices. And exactly what you're saying, Mark, is the opinion that a lot of San Diegans have actually concluded on their own that it seems that Nathan Fletcher does not serve the people of San Diego. It really seems like he serves somebody else. And worst of all, that he's in it to serve himself. Yeah. And so people are tired of that. and. Here's the thing, there are just some nonpartisan issues that we can all agree with. Homelessness is at an all time high. I, I've lived in San Diego since 1972. I have never seen it this bad. And yet the government has spent more and more and more. What the heck is happening? I'm a state licensed investigator. That's another part of my experience. I've been state licensed and good and active standing since 1999. And I can tell you that if I'm elected to the San Diego County Board of Supervisors, I'm gonna audit the county and how it's spending on these homeless hotels. Why in the world are we spending so much money and yet people are not being helped? That's a nonpartisan issue I think we can all agree on. Well, and you know, it's in my opinion, it is not compassionate. People say, well, it's not compassionate to take them off the streets. Well, it darn sure isn't compassionate to leave them on the streets. And um, so many people have argued with me about, well, you know, what are we supposed to do? Just drag them off the street? Yes, we should. There are taxpayers that are paying taxes in those particular areas that would like for you to clean up those streets and like for you. And it's not, you're not talking about cleaning up people, but in essence, you kind of are, but taking them to a facility that helps them, leaving them on the streets, not doing a damn bit of good to anybody. Um, do you form the same opinion on that or is, is there something different that you see in that whole argument? I, I'll be really honest with you. I'm a, I'm a pro-freedom kind of person. And so 
honestly, when it comes to people wanting help, and one of the ministries in which I served was Celebrate Recovery. I was a leader in that for two years. And really, bottom line, people have to want to be helped. And as we know, there are many different issues that face people who are living on the streets. It isn't just because they lack a, a roof over their head. There's right. significant mental health issues here. Right. There are significant addiction issues here too. And so I just feel like the outreach that we currently have is not working from the government. I think we need to look to the community organizations that are making a difference and are having success with transforming lives, because that's what it really is bottom line all about. It's more than just housing people. We, we have to be able to reach them and they have to want to get help. So, all right, I totally agree with you there, but also you can't leave them on the streets um, in areas and, and not have that area policed because it becomes a public health crisis. So if they, if you are thrown into the supervisor position tomorrow, what would be your first step in uh, getting rid of the homeless situation? Because I go home to Dallas, Texas, there's not a homeless situation. I visited Charlotte, North Carolina, there's not a homeless situation. Scottsdale, Arizona, even uh, in some parts of Sacramento, there's not a homeless situation. So something is being done differently there than they're yes. being done in everywhere else. So my goodness, right there, the root cause. So we have to look at why, in particular, San Diego, and there could be a lot of things. I mean, again, I was a leader in Celebrate Recovery, and one of the things you absolutely cannot do is enable addicts. That's one of the things that the government has actually been doing. And right. maybe that's one of the reasons why it's so bad in San Diego. When you're literally telling people that they can shoot up in a hotel and, and get wasted um, and not offer any kind of assistance as far as recovery, that is also not compassionate. We have to be able to not enable people to continue in self-destructive behaviors. But again, I'm a, I'm a pro-freedom person that might be disappointing to some. And it's been my experience that you, you cannot force people into treatment unless they are harming themselves or they're harming others. Right. Um, but you can take them off the streets uh, into a facility or into, uh, if, it's, if it's, I don't even know the correct word for it, um, but you can take them because that it is becoming a health uh, crisis at this particular point, especially down in some of those areas in the Midway District, off Rosecrans. I don't know if the last time you've been down there, it is horrible. I mean, you can't even drive in some of those places. It's so bad. Um, but so that leads me to my next question on the policing of uh, San Diego. Uh, a lot of cops are saying, you know what, I'm not going to get the vaccine. And they're getting fired because of it. Uh, Nathan Fletcher said, we're not going to require anybody to get the vaccine. Then he came back and said, well, we're not going to require anybody to get the vaccine, but there are going to be consequences to not getting the vaccine. Well, you can't talk out of both sides of your mouth on that particular situation. And that's what he always does. And uh, so how do you see that whole situation if you were stepped into the supervisor position uh, tomorrow? Well, you bring up a really great point. So there was something that happened at the San Diego County Board of Supervisors a, a couple months ago. 
Nathan Fletcher stuck in a resolution that said, if you wanna work for the county as a park ranger or a librarian or a county sheriff or a dispatcher, you have to be vaccinated. So what has happened is people who are totally qualified to be a county sheriff, to work as a dispatcher, can't even apply. Well, here's what's happening. As a result of that horrible resolution, what's happening is we're now seeing staffing shortages in the sheriff's department as well. So this is, this is something that Nathan Fletcher is responsible for. He has been absolutely silent, and in my opinion, complicit with what Todd Gloria has done in bullying and discriminating and segregating and terminating fantastic city of San Diego employees who've served you know, decades for the city just to be thrown away. It's enough is enough. And his silence, Nathan Fletcher's silence speaks volumes, but more than that, the sneaky resolution that he passed through, keeping totally qualified people from being a sheriff's deputy is morally bankrupt, and in my opinion, unconstitutional, and he's going to be held accountable for it. Well, and also, uh, I mean, you and I had this, talked a little bit about this in the beginning of this, is that uh, Nathan Fletcher and the Glorias and all these guys, you know, I, I've met Todd. I'll be honest with you. I liked Todd when I met him. I thought he was a nice guy. And this was years ago when I first came back to San Diego. I thought he was a nice guy. Um, and I actually met uh, Fletcher uh, probably eight years ago. And this was before he got, uh, married to what's her name. And, um, and then he kind of, he went back to the democratic party and everything. I thought he was a nice person at that particular point. These guys are all answering to somebody else. They're not answering and they're, and they're, and they're legislating and they're dictating what they're doing, not based on their personal views or their constituents views, but on somebody else. And they, and, and if they want to stay in office, they have to answer to those people. And that's the reason I get the opinion uh, about the Jim, Jim Desmond's of the world and the Bill Wells of the world is that they're not answering to somebody else. So uh, if you could, you've got an uphill battle. Uh, you know, you really do in this deal. Uh, not only are you going to be battling just Fletcher alone, but you're going to be battling the Democratic Party on this. So how do you raise enough money? How do you bring awareness to what you're trying to do? Well, it's been an amazing time, Mark, in San Diego. Again, I've lived here since 1972, and I have never experienced what we have experienced in San Diego over the past couple of years. And what we have seen is like every other day, there's a new freedom group that is popping up. One of my favorite groups is uh, the Mamas up in Fallbrook, the Fallbrook Freedom Fighters. And just these kind of voices that have never been heard before are just organically popping up. People have had enough with what's going on in California. And People are saying, you know what? I'm gonna stay in California. I'm gonna fight for California. And there's no way that these tyrants are gonna push us out. And so I think that's what's really the difference. 2022 is a much different year. And there is definitely a path for me to beat Nathan Fletcher. And let's face it, nobody even heard of me a couple of years ago. And look at what we're able to do with Reopen San Diego with just a couple of people sitting on a lawn. And now when you look around at all these freedom groups 
something special is happening in San Diego. And it's been so great to be a part of it. So when I found out that I was redistrict into Nathan Fletcher's district, the answer was immediately, yes, I'm in and I'm gonna beat them. So where do you stand on the whole mask uh, deal? Where do you stand on uh, people having to wear masks, these uh, businesses making people wear masks in their particular businesses because they don't want to be shut down? Um, and I want to get to the other aspects of businesses here in just a minute, uh, because I have a bunch of friends that have ownership or ownership groups of restaurants that I wanted to touch on as well. But just where do you yeah. stand on that whole mask? Man, I don't even know where it stands. Nobody knows where it stands right now uh, yeah. on the whole mask deal. Well, for me personally, it hit us really hard at home. My husband is legally deaf. He's completely deaf in one ear and almost completely deaf in the other. And so he really relies on the ability to read lips. And when other people are wearing masks, his, their voices are muffled. And so he finds it almost impossible to communicate with people in public. So he relies on me, his wife, and also his 10-year-old son. And so one of the things we did was we went straight to our physician at Sharpie Steely, who knew our family situation. And we actually got a medical and humanitarian exemption for our family in public. And so whenever we want to go into a business establishment, we just show our letter from our physician on Sharpie Steely letterhead that every single one of us in the family has an exemption from facial coverings. And I have to tell you, the level of hate, yes, hate, discrimination, and shaming that we have received as a family from having that release from a medical doctor who trusts us, right? That we're gonna use that exemption responsibly. These are the kind of things that we've been concerned about. And when it comes to masks, we just believe that there should be mask choice, not enforced by the government, not that you're, you, you will have your business fined or that you personally will receive a citation from a police officer like we saw in Santa Monica. We believe in mass choice and that's where I stand. Well, and you bring up a very good point about uh, the the hearing loss. I I have had probably, I don't know, 15 ear surgeries when I was a kid, and I don't hear very well out of my right ear when I wear my IFB in the other ear. And so when I'm talking to people here at the news uh, station and they have a mask on, I can't hear them. And I went to my doctor and she is probably 48. She's a young, young uh woman and she had hearing aids on and she had a mask on and she had the facial thing on and i was like i didn't know you were hard of hearing she said i'm not she said but i can't hear my patients and she said the first sign of dementia and uh, as you grow older is because of hearing loss because your brain just stops uh, working in some areas. And I was like, holy cow. And so I even thought about getting those invisible hearing aids or something. To, I mean, I hear okay. I, I mean, it's not, it's not a huge issue right now, but I can't imagine kids who are sitting there trying to listen and they may be a little hard of hearing or, but they don't have any way to process it. So now they're frustrated. Now they're angry and they don't know why they're angry. They don't know why they're frustrated. And it's because they can't hear. And, um, um, it's just, 
we don't even know all of the damage that these these mandates and everything else have caused uh, over the last two years to our kids, to our to our to us personally. I mean, I just think it's awful. Well, and we're starting to see it already. The Poway School District actually just came out with a report that they're seeing depression and anxiety and learning difficulties at an all-time high. They are ringing the alarm bells. And quite honestly, Mark, there's lots of organizations that have been ringing the alarm bells about this and, and schools and educators. And unfortunately, what we're seeing is in California, we've had the harshest restrictions. Our kids, I believe in California, are the only ones existing in the 50 states that have a statewide uh, mask mandate. So you have to ask yourself, why is California different than all the others? Why is California not having significantly better outcomes for COVID when there's all of these restrictions? These are fair questions. And these are the questions that Nathan Fletcher, and quite honestly, yes, I'm talking about our public health officials have refused to answer. They have refused to answer. And then you see somebody like uh, Gavin Newsom the other day that didn't wear his mask the entire football game. And he's taking pictures with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and then says, no, you need to wear your mask unless you're eating. And, and, and Paul Rudy this morning said, oh, you're taking pictures with the governor or the uh, or Arnold Schwarzenegger. Magic and, Johnson. Huh? Magic, Magic Johnson. Johnson. Sorry. Sorry. Magic Johnson. Um, Who and, knew and, Gavin Newsom was an anti-masker? Who knew? There you go. <laughs> Gavin Newsom, anti-masker. We have no, but they, it's all do as I say, not as I do. Not a one of them abide by what they're doing or what they're saying. And again, it, they're 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 getting their orders from somebody else. And I just wish people knew that. I knew I would just wish that people knew that they were getting their orders by somebody else. Let's talk about schools, um, if you can. Go. Oh, real quickly, I wanted to touch on businesses. There are businesses that are getting rocked by this city right now because they have an outdoor patio that has a roof on it, and they're getting fine daily. They have all they have done since COVID has started is tried to abide by what the city has said. And finally, a lot of them have said, screw it. I'm not going to abide by it anymore. I can't abide by it. I can't put another $10,000 into this restaurant after I've already put $100,000 trying to do what you said I needed to do. And so I, you, there's got to be some leniency for the, the businesses and the city can't be coming down on them at, at the because we're not going to have any restaurants anymore. We're not going to have any supermarkets anymore. Do you agree? I a thousand percent agree, Mark. And it's, it's not just now, but what these small businesses have experienced over the course of the past 18 to two months to two years. I mean, let's not forget it was our own county that actually went into businesses to shut them down with the county sheriffs. Let's not forget that we had San Diegans, business owners who were arrested and charged because they defied these ridiculous open shut, open shut. And now with these restrictions, you, you must have an outdoor patio. Oh, now you can't have an outdoor patio, but you've got to comply with this or we're going to fine you. What in the world is going on? It seems like the government is intentionally trying to sabotage small business. Yeah, well, there's no argument with me on that. I, I think that they are. And uh, you have people that have never 
written a paycheck their entire life, dictating how businesses should operate with no idea how to run a business. Nathan Fletcher's one of them. He was a, what, was a law professor. Those who can do, those who can't teach. Um, anyway, um, I'm sorry. <laughs> Speaking of schools, let's talk a little bit about uh, let's talk a little bit about these students and 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 how we can get rid of the depression and get rid of the anxiety sooner rather than later because that is going to affect these kids for years and years to come. Well, there is something really amazing going on right now, and. We're starting to see all of these viral Instagram videos of teenagers throughout the state of California, but especially in San Diego, who are walking into their schools without a mask. And they're saying, you know what? If Gavin Newsom won't wear a mask, I don't have to wear one either. And they're being sent to the principal's office. They're being told that they have to learn outside and they're being sent home. But here's the amazing thing. This is what it's going to take, Mark. It's going to take people who are convicted about this to stand up because it gives courage to others. We can't wait until Gavin Newsom tells us that the state of emergency is over. We the people, we the people are the ones that have to tell Gavin Newsom and the powers that be and the people he serves that the state of emergency is over. So I would just encourage anybody who has a child in school, if there's just some small act that you can do, whether it's reaching out to your child's teacher, expressing to them, look, my child is suffering. My child is you know, struggling. They're having problems breathing. They're having problems concentrating. Their grades are slipping. Please help get, and in those cases where a parent doesn't want their child to wear a mask, they should be able to have that right. There has to be an uprising of civil disobedience at this particular point, or else uh, if you just keep going by what the, the government mandates, it's just going to continue and continue and continue and continue. And there, I mean, and, and there's no other way around it. Uh, if it will continue. If, if anybody thought that it was just going to end a year ago and people were not going to mandate anything, we don't want any more of this power that you gave us over the last year. If, if you think that was just going to end, it's not. There has to be some type of civil disobedience. And I encourage people to do that. I really do. I don't, you know, I, for lack of a better word, I, for lack of a better uh, way to go about it, I just don't know any other way to go about it than to say, okay, we, you know, there has to be some civil disobedience on this for anything to change. And it could be done peacefully. Absolutely. It could be it done, be in done in a way. Because you, you, can't, you can't force your opinion on anybody else. You know, it's, you can't change somebody's mind without changing their hearts. I mean, that's, that's how I feel about it. And so when I go out and about with our family and, you know, we have that physician's note. When people do confront us and Mark, I had a woman pull out a can of mace while we were waiting in line at Nordstrom Rack on us as a family. It was insane. Uh, in that case, it wasn't so easy to have a conversation with her because Nordstrom security had to get involved and usher her out of the of the uh, of the store but anyway that's the kind of things that we're facing and I just have to say you know what 
we just have to be willing to have a conversation. And so much of our existence right now is just fighting with one another. And here's the thing, I just, at the end of the day, yes, there is a time to fight, but there's also, we have to have a conversation. And again, our County Board of Supervisor, Nathan Fletcher has not been willing to have a conversation with us. All he does when we go to the County Board of Supervisors, when we've taken the time off from work, I have a full-time job. I take the time off from work so I can go there and wait for my turn to speak. I have to wait sometimes for hours. So do other people. Finally, we get up there for our two minutes. Nathan Fletcher won't even give us any eye contact. He's just looking down at his phone. He's just sending out mean tweets with F-bombs on it. This is not leadership. Enough is enough. We need somebody who's gonna be compassionate, who's willing to have a conversation with people even that they don't disagree. It's just the whole hiding behind your Facebook or your Twitter and going after your own constituents, that yeah. is just, that's not leadership. Well, if you can, if you can get the uh, ear of the uh, hotel and visitors convention bureau, or uh, I know, uh, I know a great many of them, and they uh, are not at all Nathan Fletcher fans. So if you could get get in there a little bit, you got uh, you got some funding coming your way from them. I know. Uh, I can't thank you enough for joining us today. I really have enjoyed the conversation. I'd like to talk to you again as the as you kind of get rolling with the campaign and, and we get closer to the election. I would really like to uh, visit with you a little bit more and see where you stand and see what else uh, needs to be done. Mark, you're a legend. Thank you so much. This has thank been you. like, this has been really cool for me. Thank you for inviting me on. I had a fun time. Oh, I had a great time. Thank you so very much. And um, we will we will talk to you again soon, Amy. Talk to you soon. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.